Hello, welcome. You're listening to Feed, Play, Love, a bite-sized parenting podcast, a place you can find advice, understanding and support as you care for your small humans. I'm Siobhan Hunt. Over the summer holidays, many families pack the car and head off on trips around Australia. It's time to relax and have fun, and boy, am I looking forward to it. My next guest would also add it's time to be vigilant and road safety aware. Michelle McLaughlin is the founder of the Little Blue Dinosaur Foundation, an organisation that's dedicated to increasing safety for children on our roads. Hi, Michelle. How are you? Hi, Siobhan. Thank you for having me on the show. Now, if people haven't heard of the Little Blue Dinosaur Foundation, foundation before. Tell me how it came about. This is a very personal project for you. It is. Um, Little Blue Dinosaur Foundation came about in 2014 due to very unfortunate circumstances with my little boy Tom who uh, passed away as the result of a uh, pedestrian motor vehicle accident when we were on holidays on the New South Wales Central Coast. So um, really what our mission is to uh, help in our way, which is raising awareness to particularly child pedestrians, um, their limited cognitive, physical and perceptual awareness around road. And this is till they're age 10. And I think a lot of parents don't know that. I think it's something that we should all be uh, informed of when we're in the hospital and handed our new baby. That, you know, for example, um, just to make the listeners aware what I mean, that's a lot of big words, um, but in terms of the cognition, children, uh, their brains are still developing until they get to 10. Now, some of the road safety academics I've spoken to even say 12, but the government on a lot of their um, literature that they put out say 10. So um, just that uh, their hearing still developing also, so they can't accurately pinpoint where a, a sound is coming from. As adults, we can. So if you put it into the roadway context, you have cars, sometimes we, we're hearing them before we're seeing them. And we can sort of pinpoint, oh, that's coming from the left or that's coming from the right. But little ones uh, actually can't. Um, their peripheral vision's still developing too. Their optic nerves, etc., till that age. And also their reflexes are quite slow. And you can test that one out in the safety of a shopping centre, which I have done with my youngest, who's now seven, but um, I wanted to witness that and understand it. So when I called him to stop, he heard me obviously, but he would still take a few extra steps because the brain's coordinating the body. Now, if you put that into a roadway scenario again, the child could take those extra steps and be in really perilous danger, as unfortunately my son Tom was. And then, uh, you know, the holiday time's here with us shortly and we go away to these beautiful coastal hamlets or regional areas where the roadway infrastructure looks really different if you're from the city. 
often no footpaths. Children rely heavily on visual cues to know how to behave in an environment. So a footpath says, oh, that's where I need to stand. And while they're really beautiful and we go there to sort of be in that undeveloped beauty, there are significant dangers there. There's often a lot of shrubbery and council verges up in those regions. This can also obstruct children as, again, Um, Back just to their their overall size and everything, they're quite small, so they can be obscured and hidden from view. view. Uh, Again, back to my own personal situation where my son was on the particular evening, we were going as a family to walk just 200 metres down the road to the beach. Lots of... um, sort of these holiday towns, if you like, they get a big seasonal spike in the population. So there's more people and there's more cars. The streets, again, you know, visually coming back to the infrastructure, they often don't have designated crossing points where we should all be crossing and modelling great road safety behaviour in front of our children. They should only cross at uh, traffic lights or pedestrian crossings. Sometimes there's cases where they can't, but for the most part we should, you know, model that. But in holiday towns, you know, there's often not that. The, the roads don't even have markings. Sometimes the roadways themselves are gravel or sand or dirt. And I certainly have uh, given talks in schools and shown pictures of different looking roadways and said to the children, oh, could you could you walk on here or could you play on here? Yes, they say, because mm-hmm. they don't understand it's a road. But, you know, as an adult, you can see it's, you know, there's tracks or and the like. But um, talking yeah. about that situation, because I remember the accident very clearly. Um, it was the year my son was born. Right. So I remember very clearly and uh, feeling completely devastated as many parents listening would feel just hearing that story. Uh, taking a walk down to the beach, 200 metres, mm. I'm sure you were doing everything that you believe to be safe. Given what you mentioned there, particularly, Tom was four, is that correct? Four and a half. Four and a half. Mm. Given what you were saying there about the way children's brains work. Yes. How exactly do you keep a child safe in that situation? Well, there you go. I mean, that's a really good point. They do get really excited when they're in a new holiday destination. I think when you arrive there, it's a good opportunity to go out and show them how different it actually looks. And, uh, and you know, the road safety talk is really centred around, given we've talked about the lack of instru- infrastructure, about holding hands. This is how you, you know, protect or restrain. I know people don't often like that word restrain, but uh, it has to be done because they are fast, unpredictable and really curious. There's nothing to say that a little one won't see on the opposite side of a road. Oh, look, there's a beautiful butterfly or there's someone with a lovely puppy and boom, they're gone. Uh, straight across, they that you know, the, the safety doesn't come front of mind on holidays also out of routine. And, you know, there's often a few late nights in the lead up as there was with my son and going on this particular trip. You know, tiredness can come into it. Certainly when we were, you know, in the scenario where uh, just prior to the car fatally hitting Tom, he wasn't doing anything particularly out of order. He was a pretty calm kid, actually. Um, He wasn't really a huge natural risk taker. 
And when we arrived at this property the night before, it was a rental beach house. It was kind of had this set up a mud room where you walked in and put all your beach towels and all that sort of stuff. And then they had this huge step up into the kitchen. And I thought, oh, he'd run in. Where's the games? Where's the toys, the TV? No, he says, Mum, I hope you brought the baby gate. Hugh, who was just one at the time, could topple down there and hit his head. And at home, in his home environment, we walked to the local kindy. It was 10 minutes. And if I didn't stop at every driveway, and I kid you not, he would say to me, oh, there could be a car. We need to stop here. It would take forever to get there. And in 2014, after Tom was hit by by the car and killed him, which was just devastating, I kept playing it over and over in my mind of how could this happen to a child who was so road safety aware but I put it into the context of excitement holiday time different environment you know every factor was there like the perfect storm Mm. Uh, you know congested there were cars parked up and down the road as well so your message as well so for parents it's about um, holding hands yes and should we stop thinking back to the 80s where um, you know that old song stop at the curb look to the left when they're not capable of understanding that message are they or should we still be trying to talk them through that idea of well I just think it is really important to tell children and you know no matter how little they are we're going outside there's cars moving around you need to hold my hand and explain to them you know your brain's developing your hearing your vision and and you just have to do it and I I relate it to when we put children in a car we put a seat belt on them who would not do that Yet out in the environment, and I see it every day, even locally where I live, let alone when I'm on holidays, there are children running miles ahead of their parents or grandparents or carers, perhaps there's older siblings with them, teenagers or whatever. And look, I just don't think people really realise that it's a microsecond and your life's changed. Mm. Uh, Our lives have been changed they'll never ever be the same we've all been subjected to this shocking trauma of seeing Tom hit by this this car which was a big car actually it was a four-wheel drive and the speed limits in suburban areas are 50 kilometers per hour now if a pedestrian gets hit by a a vehicle traveling at 50 kilometers per hour they've got a 55 percent chance of dying if you take it back to 40 it's 25% chance if they're hit. 40 is not a magic number, mm. uh, you know, in school zones. Yeah, it helps, obviously, uh, sort of in terms of the outcome. But there's still that sort of 25% chance of, you know, being killed or severely injured. And people don't also realise that um, road trauma or land transport accidents, as uh, they're referred to by the Australian Institute of Health and Welfare, their data tells us the most common cause of death of children 1 to 14 years of age is road trauma. And often parents think, oh, you know, drowning, number one in Australia. Yes, that tragically happens too, but we're more likely to be in a roadway scenario multiple times in a day than we are to actually be in a pool, if you look at it like that. Equally, I mean, it's just as important supervising your children. You know, I've seen parents around my son's school, you know, having a coffee while their toddlers sit in the gutter. 
or they're running ahead of them uh, in a busy school zone and there's lots of traffic going around. And I think, you know, yeah, okay, it's 40, but it doesn't mean that there's not going to be a tragedy here. And I I just don't um, think people are understanding. With regards to the cars that are about, your message isn't just for parents who are walking with their children. It's also for people who are on the roads during the holiday time. What do you want drivers to be thinking about? Well, they uh, just need to be aware at school holiday time that there are children en masse in our community. The schools are closed. So where are they? They're out in the community, you know, around pools, around beaches, parks. Just slow down. I know there's no legal obligation to, but... Makes sense. It It's just to be aware. Nobody wants to be involved, trust me, in, in, a, in a road trauma accident that involves a child. It is so traumatic for everybody, including all the first responders who actually have to come and attend that scene. And it happens more than you, you realise. We've talked about what parents can do in terms of... Um, keeping their children close, holding their hands, still educating them about safety around uh, driveways and roads. Shopping centre car parks at this time of the year, which is absolute mayhem everywhere you go. And it is difficult when you are pushing trolleys. So if they can't hold your hand, you know, and you cannot rely on this 100%, of course, but they should be holding onto you. And they must understand that they have to do this. For their own no safety. Choice. There's no option around it. But you're and you're not just educating the drivers and the pedestrians, the mm-hmm. adults, the parents and carers. You're also trying to make changes in the infrastructure, is that right? Well, look, that's a big job. <laughs> and, I can hear it in your voice. It's and I've job. been doing this for six years in terms of uh, providing signage campaigns to local government areas, and we partner with 61. And that has been a mammoth project. I cannot do it on my own. You know, uh, on our Facebook page, we've got a bit over 5,000 followers, and I'd love them to go and tell everybody what I'm saying Uh, because when I certainly speak to people they're not aware of all this cognitive physical limitations of children till till they're 10 years of age but yeah a mammoth job in terms of infrastructure I don't think that happens overnight it is costly that's the other thing and so you know we're providing these colorful signs with the hold my hand message with the slow down kids around um, obviously targeting all road users so that's all of us in the community, and these go up at the holiday time and they're up, you know, and for the period and then they're taken down. And it's a visual cue and a reminder uh, and it's, you know, an educational message as well. Um, Michelle, I might wrap up there, but I I can direct people to your website, I'm sure, for more information. Mm -hmm. And particularly, can they reach out if they'd like to get some of those signs in their own community? Can they make contact with you? Yes, they can through um, www.littlebluedinosaur.org or come onto the Facebook page and message me there. Brilliant. We'll put the links in the notes of this episode as well. Michelle, thank you so much for coming in. Thanks, Siobhan. That's Michelle McLaughlin. She's a founder of the Little Blue Dinosaur Foundation. And just head to the notes in this episode for more information. Feed, Play, Love is a babyology podcast produced and presented by me, Siobhan Hunt. I'd love to hear from you. So if you'd like to get in touch, 
email me at feedplaylove at theparentbrand.com.au. See you next time.